take a seat. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a wonderful privilege. Uh, can you guys feel it? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to pray as we begin. Father, please would you open our minds and soften our hearts to hear you speak to us. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb uh, on the basis of that dancing and that clapping uh, and that joy that I've seen and assume that most of us here love music. You know, we've battled the crowds here at Jazz Festival to get a seat. Well done. We are the chosen few if you've managed to get a seat. And um, I think it's because we love music, at least to some degree. And um, I actually was realizing the other day that the two most um, expensive things I own, apart from my car, the two most expensive things I own are actually my keyboard and my stereo. Um, That's because I love playing music. I love listening to music. I absolutely love jazz music. I love opera. My mother almost went professional as an opera singer. Uh, She got me into it at a young age. I love Broadway musicals. Uh, I love alternative rock. Uh, I'm constantly listening to praise and worship uh, on my iPhone. And um, my little guilty pleasure, I'm going to confess to you, but just don't tell anyone else, please, is uh, I have been known to listen to a fair bit of Taylor Swift. Uh, You know, when life is getting me down, I don't mind a bit of, you know, shake it off uh, from time to time. Just don't tell anyone else. And uh, anyway, so with my expensive uh, stereo, it turns out it's not really suitable uh, for apartment living. Uh, my neighbor has complained, so I had to go out and buy uh, a set of headphones, and I got these bad boys. And you know they're good, right? Because they look ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, they look like I've got two cupcakes clamped to my head. Uh, so I don't actually wear these outdoors, um, but I do wear them inside the house, and oh my goodness. There have been times when I've been listening to great music on these, and I don't know if you know this feeling, but it is like heaven has opened and pure joy has been poured into my soul. Do you know that feeling? Yeah, awesome. It's incredible, isn't it? You know, it's that spine tingling, you know, goosebumps on your skin, all the troubles of the world sort of melt away kind of feeling. And it made me wonder, why is that? The Greek uh, philosopher Plato, he actually says music gives a soul to the universe. It gives wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. How can music have that kind of power? Would you believe scientists have actually investigated this? My goodness, is there anything that they won't investigate? And uh, they actually put some uh, people in um, MRI scanners, uh, and they got them to do simple tasks like read a book or, um, you know, do some basic maths problems. Um, And they found that there were certain parts of the brain that correspond, they light up uh, with these activities. But guess what happened when these same people in the same scanners uh, were listening to music? The whole brain lit up like, you know, um, Sydney Harbour on New Year's Eve, you know, fireworks. And actually, it's even more explosive uh, what happens in the brain when someone's playing music as opposed to just listening to music. Uh, And it turns out that actually the same chemical system in our brain uh, that gives us pleasure when we eat fine chocolate, you know, or great wine uh, is also stimulated um, and gives us pleasure when we listen to music. And so it's no surprise that a lot of us just can't get enough of things like Manly Jazz Festival. It's incredible. But there's a problem, isn't there? 
And the problem is that even the best music eventually comes to an end. You know, even the best uh, songs that we listen to, you know, eventually the record has to stop spinning uh, or the MP3 stops playing uh, or eventually the band has to pack up. And you might say, well, Ben, you know, problem solved. Haven't you heard of hit repeat? (laughs) You know, haven't you heard just uh, play it again one more time? Well, those of us who love music, I suspect, know this, that the more you play the song, the more it loses its impact, right? The more you hit repeat, the more the magic wears off, the more it loses its sparkle, I hate to say. The British author C.S. Lewis, he actually wrote about this um, he, you probably have heard of him, he um, wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, among other things. Um, but he also wrote this really um, interesting essay called The Weight of Glory. Uh, in, in that essay, he says this, he says, The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray you. It will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them, he says, it only came through them. And what came through them was longing, <laughs> These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, he says, they're good. They're good images of what we really desire. But they are not the thing itself. Good books or good music, he says, are only the scent of of a flower we have not smelled. Um, He says, uh, or have not yet found. He says, it's the echo of a tune we have not yet heard. News from a country we have not yet visited. I imagine you hear what he's saying. He's saying music is great, right? Music is fantastic. It's good. But the problem with music is it's not ultimate. He says the pleasure we get from music, in fact, was never meant to be an end in itself. It was always meant to point beyond itself to a greater joy, right? To a greater truth. And I think it's not just music that this applies to. Um, the, one of the most um, accomplished musicians of all time, Madonna, um, the queen of pop, they called her. She actually once said this. She said, I've been popular and unpopular. She says, I've been successful and unsuccessful. I've been loved and I've been loathed. And I know how meaningless it all is. You know, someone to have climbed to the top of a game, top of the mountain, for her to say that is incredible. And I think she's absolutely right. Um, you know, If you look to fame or or success uh, for your ultimate joy and meaning, uh, the problem is you're never going to be content. You're always going to be comparing yourself to others. Uh, If you look to money or possessions uh, for your sense of ultimate joy uh, or meaning, you're not ever going to have enough. Uh, Maybe if you look to beauty um, or looking attractive uh, for your ultimate sense of joy and meaning, you're going to find that there is always someone better looking than you and you'll never be satisfied. But you might say, well, Ben, you know, obviously we've got to look to relationships and intimacy. Uh, And absolutely right. There is no greater happiness uh, under heaven than relationships. But here's the thing. Even the best spouse, even the best friend will disappoint you. Or you'll disappoint them. Because no relationship can survive the greediness of the grave. You know, I hate to say that, but that's true. So if ultimate joy and meaning, ultimate joy and meaning, isn't to be found in music or other things, then the question is, where can it be found? 
Well, here at St. Matt's, uh, we firmly believe, we're convinced that ultimate joy and meaning is found only in the arms of God. And you're not surprised to hear that. I'm sure I'm a Christian minister, so you're like, of course I'm going to say that. Um, But actually, I want to take you to a place in the Bible that you might find surprising, um, because there I want to show you just how much God loves you. There was a time uh, when the people of uh, God were in captivity. They were in a place called Babylon. Um, And in fact, it was their fault. It was their fault because they'd rebelled against God and exile was their punishment. And of course, that was sad, you know, because um, they were so sad that they say we couldn't even play our harps. We couldn't even sing the songs that made us happy. That's how sad they were. And God saw them in their sadness and he comes and speaks to them. uh, And he says the most incredible thing. He says, sing, sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart daughter, Jerusalem. Now, why would God say to this sad people, sing? Why should we sing? They might have said. We're in captivity, God. Well, God says this. He says, the Lord has taken away your punishment. How on earth could this be, right? Free, undeserved forgiveness. God says, I I pardon you. And not only that, right? God goes the next step to say, not just not guilty, but He actually says this to them. He says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice. He will rejoice. He will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. The God who made the world sings over us. And note, he's not singing over people who are perfect. Quite the opposite. He is singing over people who deserve to be punished. And you might be thinking, how can this be? Well, it's because 2,000 years ago, God finally fulfilled this promise that he made to his ancient people. 2,000 years ago, God, the Lord your God, really was with us. The Son of God became man, and they gave him the name Jesus, which means God saves. And although Jesus was a carpenter, he was a mighty warrior as well. He was the mighty warrior who saves. But it wasn't against soldiers uh, that he took up arms, no. Jesus took up arms against death. And the reason we all die, you see, is because we've all rebelled against God. But God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus And Jesus was born to die. For it was on the cross that Jesus took away our punishment. You see, he took away our punishment because he himself bore our punishment on the cross. He got the death we deserved so that we could get the life that he deserved. There was a beautiful exchange that took place. And you see, this life that we get from Jesus, it's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can achieve by being really, really good. No, it's only something that you can receive. And how do you do that? Well, you trust in Jesus. You put your faith in him. You believe, you trust that he does take away your punishment. You trust in him, that he is your Lord. And if you do that, in fact, if you've done that already, then I want you to know that God now takes great delight in you. 
He rejoices over you more than you rejoice over the most magnificent music, over the most sublime song. That's how much God loves you. And friends, this is the gospel, right? This is the good news that we get to sing over God. We get to rejoice over God with singing because he has first rejoiced over us in song. And it's all because of Jesus. As the Bible puts it, it is only in God's presence that there is fullness of joy. It is only at God's right hand that there are pleasures forevermore. Or in other words, God's love is the only place we can go to to find true meaning and true joy and true pleasure. Right here, so the theme of today's talk was the gospel according to jazz. And you might be thinking, Ben, where's the jazz bit? Well, here it is. Here's where I want to try to do my best to explain the gospel as it were in the key of jazz. As I wrap up, there was a jazz musician uh, called Winton Marsalis. And uh, that's him there. He's a trumpeter, as you can probably tell. Um, In fact, he was the very first jazz musician, the very first person to win a Pulitzer Prize for music uh, for a jazz composition. And uh, in 2001, he was playing in this cool jazz club, of course, in New York, uh, called the Village Vanguard. Uh, And as he neared the end of his song, um, would you believe it, all of a sudden, someone's mobile phone went off. You know, whatever it was. Probably back in 2001, the old Nokia ringtone. And uh, as you can imagine, you know, as, as uh, preachers are all uh, too quick to tell you, you know, when someone's phone goes off, it's like really distracting. But, but for them especially, those that were there that night, they were angry that their joy, their pleasure was interrupted. Uh, there was a music critic there who wrote in his, in his notes, magic ruined, right? <laughs> But Winton Marcellus, he didn't get angry. Uh, You know, he didn't sort of um, stop the show and storm off uh, in a huff. No. (laughs) He heard the ringtone. And he actually began to improvise, right? He heard the notes of the ringtone and he actually weaved those notes into his performance. He started slow and then he sped up. Uh, And then he played the notes in different keys. And while all the eyes had been on this, you know, offender, (laughs) um, all of a sudden all the eyes begin to look back up as as Winter Marcellus brings the melody back to the original tune. And then he ends the song and everyone stands up with amazement and joy in riotous applause. And you know what? I actually think that is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. You see, he sees our mistakes, but he doesn't stop the show. He doesn't destroy the earth. No, he weaves our mistakes, as it were, into his melody, right? He takes up our stories into his story, into history, would you believe? That's the gospel. Because on the cross, Jesus took away our punishment, And he did that so that now God can delight over you with singing. Jesus died on the cross so that now you can enter in, into glory, into joy, into pleasures with God forevermore. And that is the gospel according to Jazz. Let me pray. (laughs) 
Father, thank you that because of Jesus, you now take great delight in us. Please help us to trust in you and rejoice over you with singing because you first rejoice over us with song. We pray in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to hand back over to Bruce.